0: Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life.
1: Welcome to another CI for Life podcast. Today's topic is operational underground railroad From this podcast, you're going to learn about the important purpose for Operation Underground Railroad, or OUR for short. Uh, As many of you know, I'm publishing a book this week, and it's called Live Your Purpose, a step-by-step guide to living your best life. And I'm donating 33% of the profits of the book to charity, and 25% of those profits are going to OUR. OUR exists to rescue children from sex trafficking and sexual exploitation, In today's podcast, I want to learn about the purpose of OUR and how it's making a difference in the world, and today's special guest is going to help us understand the mission and purpose of OUR. My special guest today is Tyler Schwab, the Aftercare Specialist with Operational Underground Railroad, or OUR for short. Tyler, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, my man. I uh, appreciate the opportunity.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to hear more about you and your background and your role and some of the things you're doing with the company. But why don't we start with a little bit of background and and what you do at OUR and why
0: you joined OUR. Uh, cool, man. Um, well, that's a, that's a good story. Um, so I started, uh, I've been at OUR for about four years now. Um, I started out doing anti-trafficking work when I was 21 years old. I was a missionary uh, in the Dominican Republic, a small Caribbean island just off the, the coast of Florida, um, and while down there, when I, when I was young, I would see um, I would see a lot of European and American men that were um, engaging in, in this thing called sex tourism, which means um, when someone travels to a different country with the purpose of engaging in sexual relationships. And the people that these these older men were hanging out with looked like little girls, um, mm. you know, ages thirteen, fourteen years old, and doing very inappropriate things with them, and. Um, you know, and you know, at the time I I didn't put two and two together. I didn't know that one was the other or uh, that they were, that, that, that that girl had no choice on who she was with or what she was wearing that night. I had no idea. Okay. So, so I go back, um, go back home. I learn about the issue. Um, I think like a college course or something. And, and I decided I wanted to, um, I wanted to do something to help, but really didn't have the knowledge to be able to do that. And so I, I sold a bunch of my textbooks. I sold my bed. Um, and basically pl- bought a plane ticket down the Dominican Republic with the with the intent to um, basically like gather as much research as I could on the crime to figure okay. out where I fit in fighting it. Okay. And so I, I would um I would go into these these places where these children were being sold, and I would go in there not undercover um, per se, but I went in there basically like. I'm here, I'm, I'm doing this thing, I want to buy this girl's time, but I'm not going to have sex with her. I'm just going to talk with her. And when you say something like that, like, I, I wasn't trained in how to do this, and I wouldn't recommend this to anybody, but, you know, these people, they're like, well, what is your, like, what's your excuse for coming in here that if you're not going to have sex with these girls, you just want to buy their time? They all thought I was a cop. Yeah, And I wasn't. I was just doing, was just doing my research. I just wanted to find out how I could help, you know, and so, um, so I – I told them I was like, "Well, what is her time worth?" And they were like, "You know, twenty bucks." Like, "Well, I'll give you forty bucks just to let me have dinner with her." That's all. And money to that kind of people, like those pimps, those those people that would sell kids, like it just speaks to those kind of people. And so I was able to sit down with so many of these kids, learn their story about how they were tricked, how they were coerced, how they thought they were coming for a waitress job, they thought they were coming for a housekeeping job, um, how they they were then, you know, coming to this place and. And they get there, and, you know, a lot of them are raped, right, when they get on site as, a, as, a, as to break their spirits, to discourage them from running away, basically saying uh, there's no waitressing job. You're actually going to work as a sex worker. And if you don't, like, we know where your family lives. Like, we'll hurt your family. We'll make yeah. your little sister come do this. And and so just, like, I was just shocked, like, from what I saw and what I'd heard and just how it was just pe- these, these these people being tricked into to modern-day slavery. And so, um I decided to do something. I started a nonprofit um, when I was 21. Good for you. With the uh, yeah, thanks, man. (laughs) With the with the it was it was to provide aftercare and prevention for girls who had been raped, who had been um, who had been filmed for child pornography, and then um, who had been trafficked. And and my buddies would just support me. They'd send me down 20 bucks here and there, just to keep me afloat and to keep the nonprofit going. And And so I did that for about a year and a half in the Dominican Republic and then expanded to different areas of Latin America um, before I came back, finished up my education here in the United States, and then OUR approached me shortly after because they they wanted to help someone uh, helping coordinate aftercare services for the region of Latin America. And and that's, that's where I've been for the last four years, my man. Oh,
1: wow. So do you live in the States and then travel down or have you lived down there?
0: Yeah, I I travel um, quite a bit. We are pre-COVID, like, we were expected to be on the road about um, two weeks a month. Okay. Um, And now, like, we're just getting back in the swing of things because of the restrictions that are starting to lift. Right. But, yeah, so anytime our operations team does a rescue in this region, uh, my job, our job is specifically to identify kind of the situation and the best way forward to them. You know, we want to get them from, you know, A, from being a victim to Z, being a thriving survivor, and, you know, to do that, you have to go from A to B, B to C, and so basically the first step is just kind of evaluating where they come from. Were they kidnapped or coerced or tricked? Is their family a safe place? Can we get them back to their family? Uh, If that's the case, you know, we want to help repatriate them or get them back to um, their family that's that's surely, you know, missing them and wanting to know if they're okay. Um, In most cases, uh, in a lot of cases, the family is not a safe place. Either they're non-existent or they are part of the problem as a whole. And so in that case, it's helping those girls, helping those boys, helping those kids get to a safe aftercare home, making sure the home has resources to take care of them, making sure that they have resources set aside for the future. And um, and that's what I do, man. Every okay. day, wow. all day. That's uh, that's what I do. So you're not on
1: the rescue team. You're on the back end to try to help these girls or boys or kids recover. And if there's no family support available, is there then, you know, foster homes or what? What's the options then if the family can't uh, take over or help or in the uh, recovery?
0: Um, yeah, in the United States, foster care is, is okay. a big um, option. So a lot of people like we'll probably reach out to you after you publish this podcast of like, how do I get involved in in aftercare? And one in one way that you can get involved is is becoming a foster parent. Um, there's a sh- very big shortage on good foster parents here in the states, and and these operations that are ongoing of these kids being rescued and recovered here in the United States. These these kids need places to go, and so a way that um, just general audience members in general can really make a big impact is by becoming a foster parent. Um, overseas, usually, um, they foster care is still kind of an, a developing thing. Okay, um, Some countries do have it. Some countries don't. Um, and in that case, there's some there's aftercare homes, vetted aftercare homes that have the mental health therapy, have the vocational training, have the resources to take in these survivors uh, and walk with them on their path of healing. And so, when a rescue happens, when a recovery happens, our goal is to get them to these safe houses and make sure these safe houses have okay. the resources to be able to take care of them.
1: Okay, so then safe houses or, or foster care, and and but you do some training. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but aftercare programs to help them build skills. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, true, in my opinion, just true liberation happens when um, a survivor is um, creating income for themselves that a way that they're not being exploited. Right. And so, um, like, I'll give you an example, uh, even going back to, let's go to Columbia, for example. A survivor we work with in Colombia and she um, she was trafficked by American and European uh, men in in Colombia and she um, she was trafficked for about two and a half years um, mainly to the to foreign tourists who were visiting the, the country and so she, she, she obviously went through a lot. Um, she was recovered by our team um, in early 2018. She she went through her aftercare process. Um, she uh, went through the legal process. She still continued to go through the legal process, um, and she turned 18, so she no longer qualified to be in aftercare home and no longer qualified to be in uh, to receive government assistance from uh, that country's child protective services. But what she did have is she she had strengths. Like she she learned strengths um, during her exploitation that she then used to create an economic. Um, an economic a way of making uh, money that was uh, empowering to her and not exploitive. So she uh, she learned how to interact with American and European um, people, um, you know, very different cultures like where she's from in Colombia and yep. and the people visiting and living and the expats living in the area. And so she learned how to interact with those people in a good way. She spoke a little bit of English. She she recognized um, different towns that they were from, and so she started. She noticed that these people who were expats living in this country usually have dogs. Usually have dogs. They, for whatever reason, they just have dogs. And so she, what she did is she started a dog walking business uh, to, yeah, to, to, to cater to that clientele of like, I know you're busy. I know you're working from home, especially during, during these times. I will walk your dog for you. Take my walk. I have to go to the bathroom. This is how much I get paid per hour. And that's how she was, that's how she was making her living is she started this dog walking business due to the strengths that she had learned um, during her exploitation and just had to find the correct avenue to utilize those skills. Okay. And so, like, for me, like, that's that's just a, that's a survivor that is, like, 100. Yeah. Like, she's, she's rescued. Like, she's truly rescued, um, not just because, like, our team went in and pulled her out of the situation, but because she found an avenue of making money, of creating a life for herself that she created, that she invested in, that it was her idea, and now she's um, – no, she's not only empowering herself now, but she's also learning these skills, these networking, these marketing skills to further her future, or f- further, her, further her business ventures in the future. And um, I'm just super proud of her. And yeah, so that's no, kind of what that looks like. In no every kidding. case, a little bit different, but um, that's uh, that's kind of what that looks like.
1: That is an awesome success story. And this, you know, I'm... Um I mentioned at the top of this podcast that I'm uh, writing the book and I'm donating some of the profits to OUR. and the book is all about purpose and how when people have a purpose, a defined purpose, uh, that, you know, you're happier, you're more successful, you're more effective, you're more fulfilled. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking of that success story with the uh, girl that now has a clear purpose and and, uh, but I'm also thinking of OUR and talk about a purpose-driven organization, um, you know, and that one of my chapters in the book is about the value of a purpose-driven organization and how everybody loves to work for that and passionate and giving 110%. Can you tell me a little bit about that side of it? Like, what's it like to work with OUR and, and uh, how do you feel about, you know, making a difference in a, in a real way every day or do you get discouraged because you're not making enough of a difference? Can you comment about purpose for, for you and the organization?
0: Yeah, man. I, um, I love that you use the word purpose too. Like to me, um, cause a lot of people will tell me about their passion uh-huh. and passion to me is so fleeting. Like, yes. like last night, I was very passionate to see if LeBron James right. pull out that game for victory, you know, like yeah. very passionate in that moment. But once that game ended, it was gone. It was yeah. gone, that passion was gone. And and so people Great come example. to the organization all the time of like, I'm so passionate about this cause, what can I do? And and I just know I just, you know, I, I yeah, we can walk them through that, but it's just passion to me is is so fleeting. Yeah. Um now purpose, like purpose is something that defines like who you are, like your purpose of of finding out like why you were created, like why you were placed on this earth and finding yeah. that purpose, you know, and once that once you know your purpose, like you can have your passion. It's fine. Like you know, I can think of like I'm passionate about the Packers or the steak I'm gonna eat tonight or whatever. But um, <laughs> but the purpose, like my purpose of I like if I wasn't doing like what I'm doing or um, finding something so transformational that there, there's no going back. You know, but like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like there's no there's no other way to live because you wouldn't be living your 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 100 self. Like your purpose is kind of finding out why you're put on this earth and then figuring out a way to to keep doing that. So, and, um,
1: so, how did you do that, Tyler? Like, you went on your own nickel, sold everything you had, you went over, sounds like in between your education, went yeah. to the DR, did it on your, this is before. Why? Did you have an epiphany? Did you have, how, how did you get that clarity around you wanted to make a difference in this area?
0: Uh, no, that's a good question. I think <laughs> just kind of, you know, trying out like different things, you know, and okay. um, I just, um, I remember there was a moment, it, it, you know, it happens in, I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, for one, like speaking to your audience, I feel like I have found my purpose and like helping these survivors go from victims to survivors in whatever small way I can is my purpose. And I, I tell you like a story of this. Um, there's this girl that we're helping in uh, Central America and she's yes. an amazing girl. We, um we actually helped rescue her from the 18th street gang in the area. um And she started like this, uh like this, makeshift business like in her house if like she has um she has a fridge that she's she's kind of like stealing like her from her neighbor that who's stuck in the United States and so she's storing her food like in his fridge while he's okay. quarantined in the US she has these tables that she's borrowed from the dump and then she cooks on a uh, she cooks on a fire and so like I got I got to sit down with her and just have her like explain to me like her business and what could have helped her to make more money, I think she's making about twelve bucks a day, which is you know not bad for where she's living. But there's cool. there's so much more potential there, and so she did all the math. Like she was telling me that, um, you know, she had a stove that had four, you know, little dials on it. Like she could cook four times as fast if she had a fridge in her house. She could store the fridge there and save the time not going back and forth from her neighbor's house. And if she had a nice table, like it would just make her business look a lot more professional. And so, like we, I spent like a week, like just on like this project of how to get her a fridge, how to get her a stove, and how to get her like a nice wooden table. And like, like it was like, I, like it's the best week I've had like in a long time. Of just like every single day of like, okay, tell me the pr- tell me about the prices that you got. Like, here's what I got. Like, here's tell me about like the fridge models. Like, how is, like, what is your preferred model of fridge? Like, do you want a freezer? Do you not want a freezer? And it was just like it was it, it just got me so pumped and so excited every single day to just get her to the next step of where she can be successful. And that's when I it just ha, you just have those moments again where it's um like, oh, this is my I think this is my purpose in life because I'm just I'm still like after all these years, like getting this high off of it. And I just feel so lucky to be able to work with these girls. The first time that happened, um, oh, man, the first time it happened is a totally different story. It's I was in a brothel in Dominican Republic, the same story I was mentioning earlier of okay. uh trying to get um information on these girls of how to just help and how to empower them and their families to make this not happen. And there was an experience of um, a girl in this club and I sat down with her She's about thirteen years old and she's just terrified of me. You would have thought I was the devil. Like she was mm. just terrified of me. And so I, we I we were at dinner in the club, we have her pimps are fairly close and and I was like, and I just want to let you know, like, I'm not here to, like, have sex with you. I just want to buy you dinner. I just want to hear a little bit of your story if you're willing to share. Like, I know, like, you shouldn't, like, trust in me, but, like, I'm willing to hear... I'm, I'm going to be here to, you know... I, I know that your trust is something I have to earn. And when I told her that I wasn't going to have sex with her, you would have thought that she just, like, won 100 bucks. Like, she just totally lightened up. She's like, oh, good. Like, like I've been here for three days, and I thought you were going to be my first client.
1: Oh, geez.
0: Yeah, and she was like, I first got here, and she... she you could just tell like the innocence in there, you know, you could, yeah. you could just see the kid because she was like, I, I came here and my first client, he asked me f- for anal sex and I didn't know what that was that I didn't, I'd never heard that word mm-hmm. before. And so my traffickers made me watch pornography for two days on just straight anal sex pornography. So that when the time came, when a client asked for that, I would know what to expect. Um, and so like hearing her like share that, like I was just, that's like like those moments it's just so dark and you just can't believe it. it is happening in the real world that that's like okay like, this is my purpose like this is not it's not something i'm passionate about anymore like passion went out the window the <laughs> second i stepped in this club like at that point fear took over right but like um purpose i was like like i have to make this like a life's mission to help hmm. these girls these boys like get out of these situations and Go onto a path of healing, and that's what like that's kind of what the purpose of OUR is built on. Is everybody uh, that's that's their purpose, and all of them bring different talents to the table. And like we have this like I'll even like highlight like our marketing team. Okay. Our marketing team is amazing. Like our, our marketing team, like they're just so smart um, of like how to share meaningful stories. We had one of our marketing directors. She worked at Red Bull for a long time. Another marketing, there are another two people in marketing. They just know how to share stories and how to get people engaged. And so like their purpose is also to help bring kids out of slavery and into freedom, um, kids, women, men, uh, people thats their mission as well. And they just, they just bring, they just come with so many different skills to help make that happen. And, and part of that is sharing the story and, and helping shine the light on these, on this issue that's happening and, and so, working for O.U.R. like where everybody that works here, um, like that is their purpose, and just bring different talents and skill sets from anywhere—from our marketing team to our fundraising team to our aftercare team to our operators that are working on the ground day in and day out. Um, That—that's the our purpose is getting people from slavery to freedom, and all of us just come at it with with different skill sets and, and, well and different.
1: So, um, I don't know if many of my listeners would know the kind of start of the whole program with Tim, and, and he was, what, a CIA agent and then saw all this happening and decided to make a difference on his own. Can you give us a little bit about the, the start of the organization?
0: Yeah. So, Tim, um, Tim, he worked for the Department of Homeland Security. Not, I think he started with the CIA. I think he spent like a six months in the CIA and then the rest of his time um, at the Department of Homeland Security. Okay. Working, um, on the child exploitation unit. And back then, like, trafficking, um, still wasn't as much of a mainstream issue as it is now. Like, if you Googled, for example, like, child trafficking, directions to your local DMV would come up to get your kid a driver's license. Like, the two <laughs> words just didn't quite connect yet. Okay. Um, so, and that's his words, not mine. That's his joke. I have to give credit for, for him. But uh, he, um, but he saw just, the, and like the United States government for the most part has been a leader in this from the beginning they, we're the ones that started to notice that this was a trend and with the rise of the internet just knowing that these crimes are going to come forward but there was there was um, how do I explain this there was cases that didn't have a tie to the United States so in like in Tim and his investigations he come across um, like f- for example a a kid in Haiti um, who was a Haitian citizen who was being trafficked by a Canadian man and he knew like, where the kid was at, he knew what was happening to him but he couldn't do anything about it because, um, because there's no tie to the United States and because there's no tie to the United States, there's no jurisdiction there and so that kid uh, can't be rescued. So the best that he could do is hands off to, to Haitian law enforcement or Colombian law enforcement or whoever, Thai law enforcement and at the time, you know those law enforcement agencies were very uh, underfunded, undertrained, and so there's very little hope that um, anything was ever going to come from those cases. And he just saw that over and over and over again. Okay. And and he just saw that you know there's a gap that could be filled with a private organization um, helping come alongside these governments, teaching them how to to rescue their own people. And then training them up to where, if if O-U-R is there or not, they can continually do that based on the skills and the techniques that we've taught them. Um, and you know, it took it was a big jump, I think, because yeah, working for the federal government is probably the most secure job in the world, yeah. um, and working for a nonprofit is probably the most insecure job in the world. But it felt like he it felt like he was something they was called to do. It was his his purpose in life. And so he, he took the jump and, um, and I'm glad he did because, because of him taking the jump, I'm able to do what I do. So many others are able to do what they do. And there's a, there's an organization that has freed people from slavery in 26 different countries um, in the world. And we I mean, just continue to grow 26. and it wouldn't have happened. That's yeah. Awesome. And it wouldn't have happened unless Tim took that, took that initial jump.
1: So one of the things I heard, uh, on the big podcast and you had in a big event this summer here in Utah um, was that the effect of COVID or staying home for kids that trafficking is actually up. Can you comment about that and the importance of, you know, I don't know if it's uh, importance of getting kids to school or, you know, where they're safer. Is that true? Was was trafficking up with everybody home and on the internet? Is that a true story?
0: Yeah, it's uh, if you go to the uh, the National Center of Missing Exploited Children, they share their stats on what okay. COVID has done um, to online exploitation, and because um, uh, there's a stat that's thrown out um, about 40% of traffickers are family members, and so mm-hmm. with um, with you know with COVID and being quarantined and shut in, and kids not going to school, and there's a lot of kids are stuck at home with their exploiters which means more abuse material uploaded to the internet, um, more pedophiles online because they know that kids are studying online and they know that if kids are online, they have access to those kids online. And even here in Utah, there's been, there's been cases of, um, there's been cases of pedophiles who have, uh, who've chatted with kids online during this, during this time. And, and the numbers are, I I forget the exact percentage, um, but it, it has, it has grown because, um, You know, this crime—it's—it's more and more becoming an online element as it is. There's this growing trend called cyber sex trafficking, um, which is the, uh, in in layman's terms, it's the it's the live abuse of a child for viewership for people that want to watch, and that has just continued to grow because with our world right now, where it's locked down, where everything's online, um, traffickers have taken advantage, and traffickers, um, you know, they're They're not stupid people. A lot of the times, and they are ahead of the curve on a lot of Mm. these things. So they, they were prepared, and they, um, they continue to exploit these kids uh, during this time. And so it is, like, that is the importance of kids like going to school on, and not just being, and some of these kids being stuck with their exploiters for, for longer periods of time, and not even like the kids who are trafficked. But you talk about like domestic violence, how domestic violence is because you're stuck. And it's funny because the reporting is down. The reporting specifically here in Utah is down, but the abuse cases are up. And the reason the reporting is down is because if if you're stuck in the same location as your perpetrator, there's no safe way to report. Uh, And kids aren't going to school, so school counselors aren't seeing the signs of abuse. uh, um, Concerned mothers or concerned fathers or aunts and uncles or whoever can't call because – they're they're in the same location as the perpetrator. And so it's harder for reports to be made. And so it really is like a perfect storm really of of cyber sex trafficking coming to an head, the online exploitation and then just the the lack of reporting avenues because so many of like our community lifelines have been shut down.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to highlight that that let's think of the kids during when we're building our solutions to this very complex issue but um sure. and Tyler I know you're leaving on a mission at the end of this week is there anything you can tell us about that and how it works uh is it, are you part of the operations team or you're going with the operations teams as after care?
0: yeah this this specific mission is to provide follow up for a few of the survivors that were rescued actually during covid um, okay. so there was an operation that we called um, Operation Otherworld, and it involved a Facebook group that was, um, it was the mantra of the Facebook group was dedicated to the admiration of young girls ages 4 to 12. And so people would upload videos of these kids or upload pictures of these kids, and then basically these pedophiles would have like a conversation on what they wanted to do to them. And so um, we helped our our partners in this country um, with some technology to help them uh, infiltrate this group we helped provide some laptops and some training they infiltrated they located uh, at least in in this specific city where those uh, predators were living and they went in and they uh, arrested those predators and then rescued uh, a few of the kids that were forced to live with these predators during the lockdown. And so, this trip for me is is providing follow up to those kids, finding out how they're doing, what they need, um, where they're currently at in their in their healing process. Um, and then we have a few um, we have a few meetings down there with um, some high government officials to see how we can um, continue to collaborate together, continue to um, build up an effective strategy as a country to help fight child exploitation. And then uh, we have a birthday party. One of our survivors is turning 13. And it's very important for us to provide these meaningful experiences for these kids that uh, maybe haven't, ever celebrated a birthday party or ever been celebrated at all um and so we're gonna go celebrate mm. a birthday party for one of these kids and well uh, yeah i'm excited yeah uh, hopefully my covid test comes back negative that i just <laughs> took uh, <laughs> i can't get in unless they unless it's negative i feel great Correct. but I, you never know i may be asymptomatic i pray to god that i am not asymptomatic and i am okay to board that plane mm.
1: Yeah, me too. Wow, such a great lesson on purpose and personal purpose, organizational purpose. So, last question for you, Tyler, and I'll let you go. How can the pub? How can we help and get involved? What are the different ways of, between fundraising? You already mentioned uh, uh, foster care. What are the different ways that we can help?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, fundraising and foster care. If you're a foster, if you have interest in being a foster care parent, like uh, go to the foster care website and kind of look at the what it takes and what it entails and provides a very meaningful service um, and it just helps out the cause in a really huge way. Fundraising is huge. Obviously, like we touched on, no nonprofit functions at all without um yeah. funding. And OUR we've been pretty blessed at this point to not need federal funding, which has allowed us to be a little more nimble in what we want to do. And we wanna we wanna keep it that way. So uh, funding is always great. Um depending on where you live, as volunteer teams wherever you live. Um, sometimes they host movie screenings, sometimes they host fundraisers, uh, sometimes they help facilitate meetings with government officials who wanna work with um want to work with OUR. We're currently in, I think, 30 states. We want to be in all 50, but okay. uh, a, a lot of that has to come from, like, volunteers um, letting us know, like, who their law enforcement are in their states. They're very proactive in wanting to do good work uh, in this cause. Um, and then, um, you know, there's always those specific items that our survivors always need to, like, if there's something you want to ship to our office, the, the needs that we always have are things like school supplies, laptops and mp3 players um any of those items really helps our aftercare homes those survivors as a whole and so if that was something that someone wanted to provide um they could just ship it to uh, our crossfit in draper and we would get it
1: okay so you're g- you actually have an office in draper where i live
0: yeah man yeah oh. we have a crossfit gym it's uh it's about um it's the, We have a CrossFit gym that helps cover some of the overhead for our nonprofit, so less donor money goes to buy, like, paper and pay the, okay. pay the electric bill and stuff like that. And then yeah. people can come work out. And then our office office is on the other side of, of that uh, gym.
1: Okay. And the website is OURrescue.org? Yep. Okay, Correct, and that's where you can find out more about getting involved in fundraising and different things. And then you have different events going on all the time. And I noticed on your website today there was November 7th. Rise Up for Children, and Tim and others will be involved in a different event there. So if you go to the website, you can find out a lot more. Anything else in closing, Tyler?
0: Yeah, I think uh, on another thing touching on November 7th, it's our first ever virtual gala. Okay. And so um, where we kind of summarize like, what we've done for this year, what's our plans for the future, it's a chance to listen to our staff talk about their experiences, listen to Tim. and, and think And I think if you you go to the website, you can get tickets for the gala as well. It's our first, you know, obviously because of COVID, uh, it's virtual. And we're excited to see how this turns out and and hope that people continue to be interested in the cause and uh, helping us fulfill our mission to take uh, people out of slavery and get them onto a path of healing. Yeah,
1: well done. Really appreciate you coming on, Tyler. Hope you get on that airplane and uh, keep making a difference and keep... uh, showing such tremendous uh, personal purpose and then what a great thing your organization is doing so appreciate you coming on today
0: thanks rick i appreciate you man
1: yeah take care wasn't that fantastic tyler schwab what a man um what three purposes for bringing this podcast to you today Uh, number one obviously the most important shed a light on a very important issue of slavery sex slavery in our world today and hope that you'll feel uh, motivated to help out in a large way, in a small way, whatever it might be. Number two, to show the value of uh, individual purpose and what can drive you to do and the clarity it can bring. And then number three, the importance of purpose at work or purpose in our organizations. And uh, OUR and Tyler had that in spades. Um, we uh, The book is coming out tomorrow on ebook and, and uh, paperback is coming out soon. We're having a little trouble with Uh, downloading it into Amazon with the ISBN numbers. But anyhow, um, the first chapter talks about the importance of purpose, and it's based on some research by Bronnie Ware. I think she's a palliative nurse out of Australia, and uh, shout out to the Aussies. And um, she found that when people die, uh, they have regrets, and uh, one of those regrets is not living their, their life to the fullest and living the life that they want to live versus what others expect them to live And obviously, you know, one of the other ones is uh, about being happy and letting themselves be happy. So Lots about that in the book live your purpose. That's coming out again. You can go on the podcast or on my uh, Website right now. wwwciforlife.org if you want to uh, sign up subscribe and I'll get you a free l- link It's going to be free for a couple days on ebook And uh, I'll send you that link uh, once it's live, hopefully tomorrow. Um, But a couple of stats that are in the book that I want to share with you to uh, illustrate Tyler's point and the great work that uh, OUR is doing. Uh, The first one is benefits of purpose. Uh, First of all, a quote by Oliver Wendell Holmes. This is in Chapter 3 of the book. What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. The top 10 benefits of living with purpose according to scientific research are: 1. enhanced health and physical well-being, 2. greater resilience, 3. increased happiness, 4. increased life satisfaction, 5. better psychological well-being, 6. more likely to engage in healthy habits, 7. less chronic illness such as stroke or heart problems, 8. lower incidence of dementia, 9. higher quality of life, 10. longer life. You bought in? You ready like Tyler to find your purpose? Um, and uh, the Chapter 3 of Benefits of Purpose highlights where all that research comes from and more. And then Chapter 19 at the back of the book illustrates uh, what OUR is about and why it's such a compelling organization to join and why it's growing so fast and making a huge difference in the world. Um, chapter 19 called Purpose of Work, it starts out with highlighting a LinkedIn study from 2016 illustrating the importance of purpose at work. They found that 85% of the companies who had a clear purpose showed positive growth. They also find that 42% of the companies without a clear purpose saw a reduction in revenue. There you go. Lots of evidence uh, illustrated in the book around the importance of purpose. And Tyler, oh my goodness, uh, goes into the DR by himself to figure out how he can make a difference and then eventually finds OUR, a great purpose-driven organization. So... Hope that you'll uh, become part of OUR in some form or fashion, small or large. And um, look forward to uh, hopefully you can d- uh, get on, subscribe on my website. I'll get you a free download of the ebook. This has been another S- Continuous Improvement for Life podcast with Rick Hyland. Uh, thanks for spending some of your valuable time with me today. Until next time, live a life of sustainable continuous improvement. Goodbye.